Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. CIO Talk Radio is sponsored by HP Data Center Services, Cloud Computing Services, and Workplace 360 Services. Are you ready for an instant-on world? Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Here's Sunjo Gall. Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Today's topic is managing the IT skills gap now and for the future. And for our guest for today's show is Todd Thibodeau, who is the President and Chief Executive Officer with CompTIA. Good morning, Todd. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm just doing fine. Couldn't, couldn't complain with... Uh, uh, you know, uh, a gradually but surely, uh, show, you know, slowly but surely type of approaching summer here. I mean, we have seen all seasons in March, and I'm sure we will have a great uh, season ahead. Besides, of course, work is uh, also interesting. So how's, how's work, life, family, everything for you? Everything is great. We're heading towards summer as well. Looking forward to spanning the globe yet again to get out there and talk about the organization and, and about IT workforce needs. Yeah, that is that is an interesting um, area because you know what, as we were discussing before the show started, uh, we are looking at that a positive vibe out there. There is an uptick in the market. People had so much pent up demand, and um, so what we are trying to do here is to make sure that the IT skills that people are looking for. Uh, introducing or perhaps changing in their portfolio, it's well understood and they are able to make it timely. So, so while that is a great idea and, you know, devil is in the execution, the question here is that whatever we did earlier in order to manage the IT skills, the IT workers in the past, perhaps it may not work, but perhaps some sort of a validation could come from your side since you had, your, your group had done a great amount of research in this area. So what, what have you seen? What are people doing differently or are they doing same old, same old? It's a little bit of background to start. You know, we're in a, in a period now where there are anywhere between 250 to 400,000 open IT jobs at any point in time in the U.S. alone. But in a good economy, when, the, when things are really going well, we've seen the number you know, as high as a million and a half at any point in time. So there's still a lot of open jobs out there. There's still a lot of needs from people. But I think the challenge is we're not seeing quite as many people come into the IT workforce as we have in the past, especially for people taking highly technical jobs. So it's a little more challenging uh, to find the people that you want because the pool of people isn't quite as large. And the demands uh, and needs have changed a lot. So now when, when you say that needs are changing, do you think their strategy, the, the IT leaders, how are they thinking? Are they nervous? Are they think that they have things in control? What is the mindset today? 
I think the, the key thing that people are focusing on is keeping the really good people that they have, first and foremost, and making sure that those people have the skill sets that, that they need. Now, if you look back over just the last few years, this is actually one of the most innovative, creative periods in the history of the IT industry. We've added mobility to the, the plate of, that the CIO has to manage. We have increased security needs. We have cloud computing coming to the fore. You have healthcare, IT revolutionizing that industry and other places. So the key thing is to take the staff that you have, make sure that they have these new skill sets that they need to manage the, 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 uh, the requirements that they have within their organizations. But then finding people that have these skill sets as well is tough because they're not as generic, they're not as homogeneous as they used to be. So with so many different needs coming, and you mentioned that they are just focusing on retention versus acquisition. So think about this. Five from since last four or five years, we had been cut down to the bones or even cutting into the bones with respect to the resources, and that includes human resources. Now, if you had those few uh, people who are left, Perhaps with the with the increased demand, they themselves were not able to fulfill the needs that were there, but somehow there was no choice, so we, we got by. Now, we are looking at the next level where we are saying that we want to do two or three times more work compared to what was there in the past. You cannot have these people turn into Hercules and start delivering twice or thrice the capacity that they currently have. So you got to acquire more. So So do you think there are good people out there or all good people are taken already? You know that's that's tough, uh, and and that's true. The the workloads have have increased as things have been cut to the bone. So as they go out and and look for people, I think the things that that they're really struggling to find are people with experience. So if if you have these these demands that are that are ever increasing, the workload is there. You need people that can come in and get up to speed really quickly right away. And I think what people are struggling with in finding people, and you hear so many people say in, in industries other than IT, I'm having a hard time finding the right kind of labor. It's because they're looking for people that already have experience. And the majority of the people that have experience are probably already in a job. So the people that are in the workforce now that are available are people that don't necessarily have a lot of hands-on experience under their belt. So so with what you saw that people are doing, do you think that's going to really help the situation here? Because the challenge here is that this is not, not, not different, are not any different from what was being done earlier. And then if you keep on playing catch-up, then we are literally leaving money on the table and or it's an opportunity cost of not rethinking this whole IT skill gaps or IT uh, capability gap, if you will. Yeah, the thing which has really changed is the amount of training that companies are willing to do for a new employee that comes in or for an existing employee. So you talked about things being cut to the bone. Typically, a lot of the IT training that happened in the industry happened from companies taking that on to bring to their employees to get them skilled up, not just necessarily learning on the job, but actually sending them out and acquiring skills, whether it was learning about SharePoint, whether it was learning about managing mobile phone sets, and what's happening today is people don't have the dollars to do that. They don't have the time. And it is a little bit short-sighted in the sense they're not making the investment that they did in the past. So that's what's changed. So that model, which worked in the past, has kind of taken a backseat today, and we kind of need to get back to that, where companies take on the responsibility of, of training new employees. So find a really good, 
smart, motivated person, bring them into your company, and then apply the resources necessary to get them where you need them. Now, let's look at the opportunity cost of you bringing someone and then starting to train. Yes, in, in the long run, that would be a great idea, but how do you bring the mix where people can really hit the ground running and also then they are trained and groomed to do the things in, in so that it fits the, the, the local culture on that organization's culture in parallel we also have another situation where the new people who are being brought in, they are many times deer in headlights. They may not have a true idea about how the real IT works, and they have to be coached and trained. But partly it could be definitely done by organizations who offer training, but also there's an onus on the organizations who are taking these people on. Perhaps they may not know how to train them properly, and that's why they may lose interest and or lose patience and say, you know what, these guys are not a fit, so let them go. How much yeah, of this do you see happening? You know, that, it, I think all those things are true. Companies really have to decide what, what they want, and they have to take an approach that looks out over the long term because you can't have all those things simultaneously. If you have a good workforce now, but you have these increasing needs, you know, pick one or two skill sets, one or two areas that are the most critical, focus on those, find people that have some aptitude, some experience, and then bring them in, be willing to commit. The resources are all still there. The training community, the, the education um, groups and companies like us and other groups that are out there with, with the up-to-date skill sets, tests, certifications, learning that's there, and, and apply those. But, you know, people are always going to come in with deer in the headlights. They always have. The difference was in the past, maybe you had a little more time to bring them up to speed. But if you're going to meet the demands, you either develop your own workforce or you have to go out and find other companies, outsource parts of, of what you're doing. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. But I think the trying to do too many things at once uh, leaves you doing none of them really well. And, and, and with that said, do you think like while we are trying to be proactive to prepare the organization to take on the new challenges and perhaps the new opportunities, are we being as proactive in terms of planning how many and what type and what level of skills would we need and basically then try to put out a blueprint, get the partners involved, maybe people who are providing them supplemental staff and or training providers and all of them kind of create a game plan of sorts so that you know when you are ready to absorb or, or invite a new talent, then there is an availability. Is that truly happening to the degree that I just suggested? No, I, I don't believe that it is. I, I'm not even sure that that happened to any large extent in the past. Some changes maybe over the prior 10 years came a little bit slower. It was a little easier to plan for those. You know, you needed networking people, you needed security people, but now you need people who understand so many other disciplines. And I don't think people have the the uh, the ability to make that much time for, for planning. It would be great if they did because it would slot people into to roles a little bit better. Uh, I think roles within within IT functions within companies have become uh, less defined than they were in the past. You you may have somebody today, even in an organization like our own, where we have 155 employees, we have employees all over the world, but some of our IT guys, they do telephony, they do AV integration, they do mobility, you know, one person doing all those roles. 
And so it's hard to, to plan out those needs because you're looking at these functional areas. You're not necessarily looking at individual expertise and specialties maybe in the way that you did. So you're, you're looking for more generalists, but you want deep knowledge in each of those, each of those areas that person is going to be doing. And, and that's tough, you know, because we're in a period where people are just accumulating these skills. So I think the companies have to be realistic and let the quality and depth of, of the IT workforce kind of grow as, as these these uh, these areas grow, like mobility and cloud in particular. Now, do you think when you try to poll the organizations, your organization polls are overall when you do did your research, what were the some of top skills that people are saying we need, and how much of that is just uh, because they had to say something, they said it, uh, compared to the real need out there? Because suddenly everybody starts talking about cloud and mobility, so suddenly there are 25,000 so-called perceived requirements that pop up, and whereas the business may not be there to that degree, whereas there may be some other not-as-hyped skills which are equally important, but they take the backseat, and they're also critical to making the organization hum. Yeah, I mean, those are the ones that are top of mind for people. And the, the thing about cloud in particular is it's not really a new technology. It's, it's kind of a business model more than it is a technology. So getting someone that has an understanding of cloud is really getting someone who has an understanding of virtualization or resource management. You know, the mobility space is being dominated by people who can program and develop apps, secure those apps, deploy them. But the skill set that's really out there in demand always is people who understand how to maintain corporate security across multiple platforms. So that one is, is always in high demand, and that's, that's an area where we're going to see that demand only increase as we go forward. You've, just over this past weekend, the, the uh, Department of Homeland Security Secretary uh, Janet Napolitano talked about the need for cyber warriors, so the government has this need. So we're always going to see that. But the biggest one that's out there that we see is, is people who understand how to integrate systems. So the ability to take, okay, my Wi-Fi network, how does that work with my mobility platform? How does that work with my telepresence system? The ability to take disparate systems from, from multiple places that are all on the IP network and bring those together and make them work, even though they might not naturally appear that they need to work together to the, to the end user, but behind the scenes they do because they're all sharing the same network. So the ability to, to bring systems integration. And then the, you know, the whole application development space. I don't think we've ever had a higher demand for application programmers in the U.S. than maybe we did going back to the, to the dot-com era where we had a lot of web programmers, but people that are, that are developing either apps uh, or other applications that might be hosted in the cloud or otherwise. So it's... Uh, Systems integration, security, and the ability to, uh, to bring bits and pieces together. That, that's what's in demand, people that, that have some knowledge of that. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And then let's look at the different generations of IT workers that we have today and available in the marketplace as well as in our organization. So what makeup or what, uh, what uh, you can say uh, – a combination of these different generations of IT workers would really lead us to the success that we are looking for. Please stay tuned, and we'll be right back. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
live in an instant on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP solution for managing secure servers, storage and networks delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com. We live in an instant on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The instant on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show. Here's Sanjo Gall. Welcome back. So, uh, Todd, when you look at the skill mix, and now on top of it, you have these different generations of IT workers who coexist. And with the uh, downturn that we saw in the economy, earlier we were thinking there'll be a huge exodus of the baby boomer segment. Perhaps people are going to extend their stay. So with these two or three or four, for that matter, uh, generations of IT workers working, and then you want a new skills to get introduced, how easy and or difficult is this challenge going to be? Well, you couldn't have uh, more different generations, I think, than than people that are maybe towards the end of their career in IT that grew up with a lot of things that we don't even see today. People that were still around when we had 8-inch Wang floppy disks, when no Bell networks were were out there uh, and prevalent, when we saw the institution of email and all these different things. The the thing about the, the older generation is really technically solid. These are people who grew up understanding how everything actually worked, the underpinnings of it, how the hardware worked. And what we're seeing with, with the newer generations is they're less geeky as it relates to the technology, less engineering-like. Uh, they're more creative. They're more, um, they're more interested in doing you know, really cool things with stuff as opposed to making sure that things, things work. Uh, but it's it's important in in any of in any transition in any industry it's for the knowledge to be to be passed on, but the, the you know the knowledge accumulation that may have happened with older generations, they didn't do as as much learning by doing. I think the um, there was more schooling, there was more training, there was more education. Where younger generations are more uh, learning by doing. So I'm not sure that transition and that passing on of the skill sets is happening in the same way. That it, that it did in the past because the newer generations coming in learn in different ways. They learn with, with experience uh, by just getting their hands on and doing it, making mistakes along the way, whereas I think for some of the older IT engineers, you know, that's an anathema. They, don't, they, wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't learn that way. They want to do it, do it in, uh, in a perfect way. So it, it, it's a challenge to, to see these, these two mixes uh, come together and uh, see how they can kind of make that handoff. 
Now, it is not uh, uncommon for some of the largest companies to not truly really have uh, a formalized plan that how will they integrate? Because before the skill gap issue came, there was this multi-generation IT workforce coexistence related challenge that existed. And we did speak with a number of large organizations, the largest ones where they had seemingly the resource uh, resources to make all this happen or at least work on it. But even the plan was in a very nascent stage. So is somewhere at the top the seriousness not uh, visible and or not communicated enough for it to really be on as a strategic priority for people? You know, I, that's the, the people, the, the time that people are spending focusing on the workforce to ensure that these transitions take place, that the onboarding process is what it, what it needs. It, it goes back to the discussion we had before about people wanting to have people come in who are experienced, who can just kind of jump right on it. And so the, the short shrift being given to kind of that transfer of skills, the, the apprenticeship model that may have played a part in the past where someone came in and kind of learned at the feet of somebody else. Is it, the time isn't being necessarily given to that in the way that it might have in the past. And so the, the attention to that and the, the focus on that is, is certainly not there from, from the top. Uh, maybe not that, it, that, it was, that it, there was a lot of attention on that in the past, but there was certainly more time allowed and maybe more resources, and then it was up to the, the person heading up the IT team to, to make that happen. So I'm not sure we've seen less of a lack of awareness. I think it's more of a resource issue that, that's taken away the ability for people to, to, to take that time to do the planning for the onboarding, the transfer of knowledge, all that. Okay, we are losing you, Todd, briefly. So... Um... Yeah, I guess there's some technical difficulty, uh, but let, let's uh, look at the, the next question that we have here. Number one is the multiple generations that we spoke about, and then we have the skill gaps, which are basically becoming worse. If both of them are coexisting, the people who are supposed to bear the, to like basically bear the torch or, or carry the baton to move forward who are they? Is it truly just responsibility of the IT leader? Or do you think a, a team of people who come from business and IT and perhaps HR are to do this jointly? It's really the responsibility of, of HR and IT. I don't think it's falling outside that. You know, business leaders within the organization are, are looking at their needs. I'm not sure they're thinking about particular strategies for, for certain types of folks. They have particular needs that they, they need to have met, and it's really up to the HR people and the IT folks to determine you know, how they go about that. You know, the, the HR people play an important role in screening employees, testing to make sure that people have the skills, looking for the right kinds of things, advertising the jobs in the right places, because there's, there's so many different places that IT jobs are posted. And you go to any job board, you know, besides finance, retail, some other industries, the most prevalent jobs are, are in IT. And so you get this flood you know, of resumes and the ability to comb through those and find people and find things in different ways, too, because it's, it's not necessarily the traditional way. Are you using LinkedIn effectively? Are you using Dice? Are you using other job boards? Are you using networking from your own employees effectively to find the right candidates? So the HR is the frontline role there. And then it's really up to the, the IT, the, the head of IT and the, the people there, the directors in, in different functional areas, to really identify those candidates and, and bring them in and make sure they fit culture, make sure that they have 
you know, a learning acumen to, to get up to speed and, and get the skills that they need. But it's really a partnership between HR and, and IT. I'm not sure business leaders play an important part in that. So when you look at HR, do you think today, given the way, number one, technology is moving, and secondly, the awareness around technology, the nuances, the semantics, is HR up to speed on that, or is there an effort where they can understand what are they going to be looking for and why? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's not so much that, uh, that they're not up to speed on the, the technologies. It's being up to speed on finding the places where people are because they're not necessarily in the traditional – they're not going to find people in, always in the traditional ways that they have in the past where you, you, know, you post an ad, you get a bunch of resumes, you screen those, you find a candidate. A lot of people that are out there looking for jobs aren't necessarily active in some of those ways that they were before. And one thing that's the detriment of, of IT professionals is they're some of the worst networkers out there. <laughs> so that's their so ability true. to go out and, and proactively look for opportunities is, uh, is not as good. I've talked about this in, in, in other, uh, other interviews where they really need to improve their skills. You know, we've looked at this, and most IT professionals aren't effectively using LinkedIn. They aren't effectively using Facebook. They aren't effectively using some of the other social media tools that they have which right now, the best way to find a job today in any industry is to know somebody who's also in that industry who's working and, and so that that person can tell their friends, colleagues about openings that they might have in their company. So referrals are, are you know, far and away the, the best path right now for some people to get jobs. Now, since this is um, a pandemic type of uh, situation almost, do you think there is a possibility where the companies who may be from different industry verticals or different type of uh, needs that they have, they all kind of form a consortia and perhaps allow that or, or foster a culture and perhaps invite these people to train them on how do you put yourself out there because you could build the best HR department. You could try to post into as many job boards as you possible, but the right type of people who are passively sitting in a company, maybe not totally satisfied and could enjoy the opportunity in a new, newer and more progressive company, if they are kind of pulled out of their cocoons, don't you think that would actually allow a better supply Absolutely. That's something that we're focusing on. We have a resource called itpro.org where we try to provide a, a resource pool to help people understand what they need to do, identify the skills that are, that are out there, what the qualifications they need for particular job roles. So the, the resources are so spread out, we've tried to concentrate them in our own uh, pool. The other thing that we're trying to do is bring together an industry consortium, as you suggest, of, of companies who do IT certifications. So the Cisco's, the Microsoft's, the CompTIA's. Uh, CompTIA is actually the second largest IT certifying body on a global basis, uh, second to Microsoft, but ahead of, of Cisco. But what we'd like to do is bring together these certifying bodies to give employers a 100% certified pool of people to draw from to, to bring into their, their organizations so that you can have the, the quality assurance that someone has taken the time to gather the knowledge and has proved uh, their knowledge through certification, and this, this 100% certified pool of individuals greatly simplifies the process of finding qualified people. So we're really trying to get that off the ground, and we hope that, that we can make some uh, real progress with that this year. Now, one is to get people just with the right skills. Another is to get them at the right level of competency and engagement levels. 
when people are being trained timely and they're able to do their job well, that also contributes towards the engagement. What is it being done by the organizations outside and also the, comp- the organization that's actually looking for talent for them to not just get the best people who are best skilled, but actually to get most out of, out of them the right things that they could do on a regular basis and eventually get the final output that they are seeking? Yeah, that's a good question. And you know, technical skills are one thing, but the increased emphasis on soft skills and the ability for people to problem solve, to work in teams, to, to get out of their, their cubicle or out of the, you know, the dark basement where they're doing their cyber warrior stuff and, and get out and interact with the rest of the organization. I think that's the area where we're, we're trying to, to work is to identify those, those soft skill sets because you know, people that get into IT, they, they like the technology, they like to acquire the skills, they like to acquire these badges to, to give uh, identification of things that they know and understand, you know, the technical uh, background, different equipment that they understand. But I think the area where we really, really need to, to work on is, is the softer skills to make these people really effective in, in a kind of a newer, faster-paced, team-oriented workforce. And I think that's, that's the area where we really need to do some work. Now, one is to take somebody and take them through a training course. And then when they come out, you somehow feel good that I invested in this person, so the person has grown. But if it is not measured or if there was no baseline set, then all that is a little more fuzzy. And the fuzzier it gets, the worse it becomes when it comes to really knowing what skills you needed in the first place, what type of training that you impart to who, which, which particular worker group, and then what is the current output that you got and what's left as the next step in terms of training and mentoring and coaching. Is this still going to always remain a fuzzy art or it's going to get a little more scientific when it comes to growing people or, or getting people groomed in specific soft and technical skills? Well, one of the things that we've done with our own programs in just the last couple of years, uh, previously when you got CompTIA certified, you were certified for life. You, you didn't, there were no continuing education requirements, but with our certifications and now with, with many others that are out there, you're required to recertify every three years or you need to take continuing education credits to ensure that your skills are up to date. And so we hope that you know, we're playing our part in, in ensuring that, that people are keeping up to date with their technical skills. And most people use large pools of subject matter experts from across the globe to make sure that the technical pieces of the job are always there in place and that people are being trained on the things which are most needed. And you're right, if, if someone trains but doesn't test, they haven't verified that they understand the material. So we really emphasize that because that's, that really distinguishes someone from someone who just maybe opened up a book and said, hey, you know, I've, I've trained on this particular material, but do you understand it? Do you know what it is? I think that the thing that we need to provide today that's different, though, is more experiential testing, more experiential learning, so that people are, are getting their hands uh, dirty more than just reading a book or sitting in a classroom but having you know, more hands-on experiential training, whether that's computer simulations, whether that's lab work, and then having the testing that we do move towards that direction as well. So we're trying to build more of that experience-based uh, testing so that people can demonstrate their skills other than just being able to answer multiple choice questions. They actually have to do simulations. They have to put up a firewall. They have to ensure that it's secure. They have to do these things in practice. And I think that's really the next stage that, that the industry is going to take. 
Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we come back, Todd, need your help to perhaps inventory what in terms of the skills gaps that actually exist, which ones are more uh, in need versus others, and how is it changing based on perhaps the industry vertical, the geographic location, or the business need, which is triggering all these gaps, and to what degree are the efforts being made and what are the results that we are seeing uh, because the, the, the effort has been made to you know, close that gap. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We live in an instant-on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The Instant On Enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers. We live in an Instant On world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP's solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks, delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The Instant On Enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sunjo Gall. Welcome back. So, Todd, take it away and share uh, some of the findings that you've had based on the research that has been conducted over the years. Right. So the, the, the biggest skill gap that's out there on a global basis really relates to this issue of security. So having professionals who can understand the intricacies of security, not just as a you know, dedicated resource, someone who's, who's managing that, a chief security officer or others, but people who understand and make security a priority one. Now, it's, it's really interesting when you go outside the U.S., the, the rest of the world is just now catching up to the notion and idea that they have to have secure networks. And in countries where they haven't necessarily had the high degree of interconnectedness that we have in the U.S., uh, South Africa, for example, where we have an office and we visited and we talk about cybersecurity down there, you almost get a blank stare. Uh, from from people in some of these countries where they're well, I you know we've we've thought about well yeah I guess we do need to do that now, and uh, so that, that's that's the certainly uh, the biggest skill gap that we see mostly in the U.S. It's because there's increasing need for it, but in the rest of a lot of the rest of the world, it's about an awareness that they need to bring their security infrastructures you know, up to speed. And next generation networking technologies, in particular, people who can integrate mobile and land-based. Uh, networks together into to one seamless architecture. That's certainly 
something that is in high demand and is a gap that, that needs to be filled. The ability to manage uh, cloud infrastructure, people who understand virtualization, resource utilization, application deployment in those environments. So these are the three main gaps that we found that need to be filled going forward. Now, were the organizations who shared this data able to quote what type of uh, risks and or um, you know, problems that they're going to face if they do not fill these gaps timely? Or is it something which is not there, but the sky's not going to fall if you do not have this skills gap met so that the right level of alarms are raised? I think the, in terms of the, the business priorities that people have, I think these are gaps that, that need to be filled for the company to move forward. It's not necessarily a sky is falling situation. It's, as you referenced earlier, it's the ability to take advantage of new technologies to revolutionize, to change the business, to be able to go from, from having lots of internal infrastructure that costs you know, X to be able to go to a cloud infrastructure that saves you money. So I think that the biggest area that they see in, in current times is not being able to take advantage of some of the technologies to, to lower their costs, whereas in the long run, it's more about business capabilities. And when you look at the other ways where, because the business must go on, so while the rest of the world is trying to figure out a way to uh, fill this gap with respect to IT skills, how are they getting by? Are they losing money by the day, or they have found some alternate sources, perhaps like an outside partner or an outsourcing? Is that is that like a cure-all, a panacea? Well, it depends on the, the scale that, that you're you're trying to approach. So sometimes you can fill that gap in the short run by using outside consultants, by using outside firms. If you find that that becomes cost prohibitive and you want to develop the expertise internally to be able to, to be more flexible, to be able to move more quickly, because managing outside consultants is very time-consuming in a lot of cases, and companies who have, have outsourced some of their, their IT to, to different parts of the world have found that to be the case, and they're actually bringing a lot of that stuff you know, back home, whether it's whether it was to India coming back to the U.S., whether it was Great Britain to Poland, and now that's coming back. You have uh, people understanding that the time that's taking to, to manage outside resources might be better spent on developing the talent internally within their companies. But I don't think it's, it's, it's not a situation where, where people are you know, losing tremendous uh, short-term opportunities, where there's tremendous cost savings to be gained there. This is, this is more of a, a long-term concern. And the bigger issue over the long term is we're, the number of people that we're seeing come into the IT workforce is, is shrinking relative to the need that's going to be there. So you talked about the retiring baby boomers. As they flow out of the workforce, we're not seeing the volume of kids coming into the IT workforce that we did in the past. And, and that's going to be the real challenge long term. Now, and that you think you can attribute to the, uh, the, the huge a hue and cry regarding offshoring and people not having a future, and that's why they say, why even bother? I think that's part of it. Certainly as we came out of the, the dot-com era and the dot-com bust, there are a lot of people who were turned on to, to an IT job from the opportunities that they saw there and thinking about that, especially in a programming sense, and then seeing those jobs, some of those jobs uh, go offshore or the, the hype around that, it certainly turned a lot of people off to it. You know, the other thing is we're having a lot more kids just go into college and go into four-year universities, and the, the matriculation rates have increased substantially. And in the past, we got a lot of kids into IT who didn't go to college. 
So your computer science degree does not equip you necessarily for a great career in IT. Most of, of the really good IT professionals that are out there, a lot of them never went to college. A lot of the really great programmers out there never went to college. And I think what we'll see long term is we'll see a mass migration of kids away from four-year universities and hopefully into pathways that will take them into the IT workforce. Now, what are some of the creative things that the organizations are doing today while, of course, you try to build the right type of blueprint and the rest of the world comes together to solve this problem collectively? They still, the business must go on, the show must go on. So what are they doing differently and where are the successes and the, the horror stories or the, the failures that people have shared? So I think one of the things that you're seeing more and where we've seen companies and some of our members be successful is, is collaboration and partnering, where you might have seen competitors in a, in a local region or market where they, they might have seen themselves as at odds, you know, chasing the same clients. I think what you're seeing is a much higher degree of collaboration and partnering where people are offsetting their skill deficits with a, with a skill surplus from another partner. And particularly when you're going in and having to provide a very broad-ranging solution to a client. So a customer says, you know what, I want my mobility, I want my telephony, I want my telepresence, I want my cloud infrastructure to all work together. And firms that don't have that entire skill set are looking to other companies to bring that in. And so do you develop, you know, do you develop expertise, do you acquire expertise, or do you partner for expertise? And I think we're seeing a lot more people either acquire expertise or uh, outright acquiring companies or partner with other firms to, to fill those deficits. So when you go out and try to talk to these people uh, at different levels, who essentially is truly hurting and who is essentially given the, the responsibility of fixing it? Do you think people have a problem? They just move that request up. What type of uh, dollars and effort and time has been given to hear that problem out? and then providing a solution or perhaps giving autonomy to the people who essentially need the skills directly to go out and get them from wherever. Or we are still stuck with the bureaucracy and the red tape around a huge systems or, or HR trying to tie down everything when they, when they do not truly maybe at all times know whether that skill mix even exists or if it does, what, at what price is it going to be available at? Yeah, I think the biggest differences there depend on the size of the company. And one of the things that, that I always like to make sure people understand about the IT industry is it's really made up of hundreds of thousands or 100,000 comp small companies. So most people think of the big companies, the HPs, the Microsofts, the Cisco's, the Intels, as you know, that's where all the IT folks work. But the majority of people who work in, in IT don't work for an IT company necessarily. They work in an IT job. And so it, big companies, I think, you do have this bureaucratic red tape, and you do have the issues of bringing people in, and they have to work their way through the, the mix. They're probably using traditional methods to find their people, whereas the, all the innovation in terms of finding people, getting them up to speed, the flexibility is happening in companies that are, that are smaller, companies that are less than 20 employees, in fact. And the majority of, of companies that are out there providing IT service to all forms of, of business are, are companies of 20 employees or less. In a lot of cases, it's 10 employees or less. And so they understand every day the need to be flexible, the ability to move quickly, to be able to acquire talent. So I think you still see the same challenges you've always seen in larger companies, but in small companies they're being very effective. And then the new thing that's happening with small companies is they're, they're recognizing the, 
the need to acquire and, and have talent remotely. And so you're seeing more and more small companies actually have remote employees. Now, one is to actually expect the training organizations like CompTIA to come to rescue. Another is to also look within the organization that how can you help a person improve the skill level in technology as well as soft skills while they're on the job. Do you think there is a maturity level existing within organizations today and a conscious awareness, basically the awareness of the need and the pain that exists for them to really take appropriate steps and they are trying to to be self-sufficient and yes, for specific needs or for incremental needs, they can go out to companies like CompTIA. Yeah, I think that it goes back to a point I made earlier is people are doing a good job of identifying the skill sets that they want for people coming in. I think where the, the things have taken a back seat is the, the commitment to that once the employee is, is on the job, that commitment to the training, the commitment to identifying, okay, I need to make sure that this person has this additional skill set and they've proven their ability to do that. I think that's where, where things have changed. The government has done, the U.S. government has done a very good job of ensuring that over time. The Department of Defense, who we work with very closely to ensure that they have the skill sets that they need, not just in security, but in in networking and in other areas. But I think in, in business, you know, they're doing a good job of, of requesting the credentials when they, when they post their jobs. But once the person comes in and, and identifies they have the credential, it's like, okay, where do you take them from there? And I think that's the place where, where companies are falling short. And do you think that is a challenge in the, the very speed at which an organization wants to move and this is not seen as critical uh, or, or as a catalyst to making them move or it's seen more as a cost? Is training or skill development seen as a cost or cost of doing business? Well, I think it's the, the cost of, of doing business, but it's a cost that seems to be cut often, so a resource that seems to be cut and, you know, you hear the same arguments as well, that, oh, I'm going to train this person up, and then they're going to leave and go to another organization. But the reverse is true in the research that we do, actually. If the investment in the employee leads to the retention of that employee, to the higher engagement level of that employee, to the productivity of that employee. So we have lots of research that demonstrates that the more someone invests in an individual employee from education and training and certification, the, the longer that person stays the better employee that they are, they're more likely to, to want to share that knowledge with other people in their organization. And so the, the payoff is, is there. It's just a matter of getting the, the budgetary commitment. And these are the same budgetary challenges that CIOs face all the time within their companies. It's, it's pretty easy for, for training budgets to get cut, but it's, you know, it's penny-wise, pound-foolish. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back and talk about some of the terms that were already used here uh, during the show, which is insourcing and or in global organizations, whether they're global or they're in different parts of the globe. What are people doing differently? Let's let's see what good uh, examples that we have and what did they do as a story uh, in terms of what they did to bring the IT skills up to the speed and maintained it so that when the skill was needed, there was no scrambling match. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. 
instant on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP solution for managing secure servers, storage and networks delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com. We live in an instant on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The Instant On Enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll free 1 866 472 5790. Now back to the show. Here's Sunjo Gall. Welcome back. So, uh, Todd, do you think there would be a few good stories to tell where, with using those, we can learn some of the the right things people did in their environment, and they saw the results which were favorable. Yeah, I think one of the, the most successful things that we've seen is companies redrafting, redrafting position descriptions for their employees that include specific clauses for learning, that it's not just something that the person is, is, is doing in their off time, but something where there's an expectation in the job that you are going to spend some hours in your week, every week, learning a new skill, learning about a new technology. And the companies that have done that have found it really successful. You think about some of the, the examples of, of Google, where Google allows employees to spend you know, certain amounts of hours a week or a month developing applications or doing things completely outside their space. You know, that's something which IT departments uh, that have adopted that policy have done really well with. So setting aside, say, four hours a week, you know, four hours every two weeks, specifically where the employee knows that it's okay for them to spend that time, you know, learning, going to and doing online training, and then maybe taking a certification to validate that requirement, but letting them know that that's okay. Because in the past, I think, and, and increasingly in companies, they're expecting the employees to do all this stuff during their own time. And increasingly, people don't want to do that because they, they're valuing their off time. So companies that have specifically set up time for their employees to learn on the job have been really successful. The other ones that have adopted and utilized online training, instead of sending people off-site to higher-cost training facilities for you know, week-long boot camps and other things, I think they're finding you know, that to be a lot more productive. It keeps someone you know, on the facility. They can manage their, their time and their effort more effectively. It doesn't take them off-site. It doesn't appear to be as expensive uh, in terms of the resource dedication, not just the dollars, but the time of the person. 
So utilizing the, the online, the extensive online training that's out there, uh, in addition to making a commitment to it, and none of those things really cost that much money. So it's, it's, it doesn't require them to, to get the additional funds. It just requires a, a commitment of time and dedication to the employee, and it, and it pays off in terms of the employee seeing that as something that's important. In your view, what are some of the, I would say, the top things that organizations can do, companies like yours, which is dedicated to training and growth of individuals, as well as, uh, you know, the individuals who are expecting themselves to grow and settle, and then they're, they're, therefore have continuity of the job and perhaps growth in the organizations they belong to? What is it, what is it that you appeal to all sides here? Well, I think you know, one of the other things that's increasingly important for, especially in this world where different systems are being integrated, and another best practice that we've seen out there is, is having the IT people participate in departmental meetings outside their space to better understand the business imperative, the business objectives that other departments need, and to, to better understand the overall business so they can make the kinds of decisions that will lead to success for the company, not just success within their function. So better integration of the IT staff in the, the business goals, the business objectives that, that exist in the organization so that they have a, a full understanding of those. And the companies that have done that, that, that we talk to, uh, have found that to be very, very successful. It, it provides more motivation. The people understand their scope better. And it also gives the other departments a better appreciation for the IT uh, professional as well, other than just someone who fixes problems when their printer won't print, but someone who's engaged in what they're doing and kind of has a stake in it. Now, with that said, do you think the type of structure that an IT department could live with, and yes, this is almost close to not exactly, but a close to boiling the ocean problem where there is a, there are so many moving parts in terms of how do you bring the IT skill gaps and you want to be as an on-demand organization, not incur too many uh, fixed costs, if you will, so not hire everybody who you will ever need as a full-time employee. The structure that is recommended by many is to have a core team of people who are like versatilists, half generalists, half specialists, and hire just those and then surround them yourself, your organization with a bunch of specialists who could be called on-demand and deliver. Do you think that supplemented with the right type of training imparted to that core team as well as to that specialist uh, you know, group that's out there but available on demand would be the right way to go? Um, you know, that's an interesting question in, in the transition in the industry. And thinking about the, the younger audiences, they come in, that they're not wanting necessarily to specialize as much as they did. So I think actually that the move is to have even more people who have a broader understanding that the depth comes from, from the team approach, from a team of, of more generalists as opposed to having the specialists on demand. And if you do need the specialty, it's, it's, I think we're tending more towards having that come from, from an outsourced, outside resource so that your internal people are capable of doing just about anything you know, up to a certain point. And if you need something beyond that, you're looking for, for potentially outside expertise because it's, it's so diverse today in terms of the skill sets that are required. It's, it's pretty tough. In a larger organization, it's slightly different. In a smaller organization, I think you, it's the move is to have you know, more generalists, you know, less specialists, out, use outside resource for specialists. In large companies, it's probably still more the traditional model that you describe. But I think in, in most companies, it's moving more towards, towards uh, having more generalists with more breadth of knowledge, not necessarily 
depth of knowledge. Um, and one last question, if you had to appeal to all people out there, while you organization, your organization dedicates itself to training and development of the IT skills app, how can you, uh, you know, how can they help you help them? Well, the, the first thing is to, to recognize that when someone you know, takes training, gets certified, they're signifying themselves as a, a true professional Getting, you know, putting themselves on the line. Our tests and exams and training is not easy. You know, the, the people have to go into proctored environments where they take these tests under high-pressure uh, situations, the, the learning that they do to, to get in there. And when they pass that, they really have demonstrated something that is above and beyond and really sets them apart. So we really try to emphasize that when you're out there looking for, for a professional to fill an IT position, to look for a certified individual because that person is demonstrating to you that they've made the commitment that they've made that they've put themselves on the line they've taken and demonstrated their knowledge and and when people hire certified professionals it it really pays off in in ways that uh, you wouldn't necessarily get with someone who hadn't taken those steps so you know that's good for us because you know we do that and that helps provide funding for for our nonprofit activities as a trade association but we just think it's good for for the IT workforce in general, because we've seen the payoff for companies and individuals when people do take those steps. So you know, that's really the overriding thing, is that when you're, you're thinking about hiring a position, make sure you, you hire a certified professional. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, Todd, for taking the time to share your insight about the IT workforce and the related skill gaps. It looks like it is uh, a challenge, of course, but we are on the job, I guess, with all people concerned, and there, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Thank you so much again, Todd. Thank you. And listeners, uh, please send us your questions or views to uh, views at CIOTalkRadio.com. That is views at CIOTalkRadio.com. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sunjal Gall next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix. Offering go-to assist, remote support made easy. CIO Talk Radio is sponsored by HP Data Center Services, Cloud Computing Services, and Workplace 360 Services. Are you ready for an instant on?